You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 416. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. There you'll find a ton of recipes and articles and workouts and all the show notes for these episodes. And I also have all of the uh, previous podcast episodes organized by topic. So if there's something specific you want to know more about, whether it's hormone health or PCOS or women's nutrition, or I think I have even a, a dieting fad section. You can go and look up podcast episodes by topic there. Today, our topics will include how to balance minerals, everything you need to know about adrenal cocktails. This has been a hot topic. Uh, Electrolytes when working out and how to manage those and then how your mineral needs change both during pregnancy, breastfeeding, and perimenopause and menopause. So this is our mineral balance episode. You guys have been sending in a ton of questions and asking a lot um, just about mineral replenishment and how to balance minerals and supplementation and all those things. So we are going to be taking all of that head on today. We've got a lot to pack into this episode. But first, welcome Stephanie, who's my co-host, who I completely forgot to uh, introduce, who's the author of Sexy by Nature and founder of Health2Empower.com. And currently, in France. However, you just dropped a bomb, which is you're moving back to Oxford. Had I not told you that previously? No, you didn't. So what? So, so what's going on? It's hysterical. I I so often am, am not 100% sure. You know, it's hard to always know like who you've told what to, but it's yeah. funny because for me, I that includes where I'm living, like on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. I've been doing a lot of, we used to call it vague booking when people did it on Facebook, when you would like vaguely hint at things. I've been doing a lot of vaguely hinting at things on my Instagram and on this podcast. (laughs) But leading into 2023, Noelle would be like, so what are your goals? And I'm like, stuff in places. (laughs) Um, So yes, I guess this might change. (laughs) Uh, we do record ahead of time, so it might change. But um, in the next uh, 13 days from our recording, I will be moving back to Oxford. So I should be in Oxford at the time of this podcast launching. I Something's changed in uh, my personal needs. And a lot of doors started opening for me in Oxford. Hmm. And... Yeah, I'm feeling called there in a number of ways. And I feel like I'm going home oh, I in love a that. number of ways. Yeah. And and it's a friend asked me the other day. It's funny because you, you tell people, like I tell people I'm leaving France. It's earlier than had been planned. And there are so many different reactions to that. And a friend of mine their first question to me was, did you finish what you went to France to do? Hmm. And that was such a lovely way to put that because actually, yes, I did. So I'm leaving earlier than I expected, but I had some things to learn personally about who I am and who I've been and who I want to be. 
I had to study some things in philosophy that were relevant to that. And I did. And I've written some academic papers and submitted them to journals. I'm very excited about that. And uh, yeah, and I needed I needed to learn about faith and stuff. And I'm starting that. And now I'm carrying it home to Oxford. I'm so, so excited. Uh, it's a big risk. I'm, I'm taking it's a it's a risk. It's a yeah. risk. And I am. But it's the most fun and enlivened I felt about taking a next step. And that's a, a big thing for me to say, because I've taken a yeah. lot of next steps. Yeah, you have. Where in the world is Stephanie Ruber? It's basically <laughs> been the, the, the podcast, the theme of this podcast. So are where you have you danced at all in France? Sorry, I was singing Where in the World is Carmen Diego," So I didn't hear what you said. It's a good song. Please continue. I miss that game. I do. I used to love that game on the your big box computer. It was like, beep, 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 beep. like you had to like, <laughs> uh, graphics, but show we were too. entertained. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was great. Yeah. Okay. So dancing, have you been dancing in France at all? Yeah. yeah about once a week. Um, interestingly enough on Wednesdays and in Oxford, the salsa night is Wednesdays. So, cool. um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been lovely and I have made a small handful of friends here. Yeah. Yeah. That I'll miss. And there are things here that, that I love about the life, uh, but there were so many considerations for me in terms of opportunities and, where it feels like home and moving mm-hmm. to my very middle adulthood, you know, where, <laughs> where, where is home going to be? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So like, you know, like, ugh. so yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm great. How are you doing? Are you excited? I'm so excited. Okay. Good. You, you're glowing. I, this is not, this is not, you know, I don't think y'all get this bit on the video, but I'm uh, as Noel likes to say, cheesing. <laughs> I do say that a lot. Yeah, Steph's cheesing. She's happy. Um, okay, cool. We'll we'll catch up with you about that. Actually, I will after we finish this podcast. Um, okay, so uh new things here. So just a, a quick note before we jump into all this content about minerals. Uh we are having a severe windstorm. So something is moving in. So if you hear trash cans literally like blowing by, that's what that was like just happened while you're talking. It was like, so that's what's happening. It's the wind. Um, I am super excited of this podcast episode. And I'm excited to talk to you about some of the stuff, because if you guys don't know what happens with Steph and I in between recordings, let's just be honest, her and I record two back to back. And so we uh, we get together twice a month for that for our recordings. But in between. We are usually messaging back and forth in DMs and it's usually something like, you know, Steph's telling me like, oh my gosh, I've been researching mouthwash and like here we, this is our next discussion. So, um, so we, we have that on the docket and how it relates to minerals and all the things. Um, but personally, what I've been working on with my business and what a lot of you guys have been talking about to me is your desire to know more about minerals and these adrenal cocktails and, you know, how, how do, should I be remineralizing, remineralizing my water and all the things? So I started working on a how to balance your minerals guide. You can get that by the time this podcast airs, it will have launched. So that's coconutsandkettlebells.com slash minerals if you want to get the guide. Um, So in it, my goal was really to be like, here's why we're deficient in minerals. Here's what depletes them. Here's how to replenish them. 
through a very holistic lens. And then here's my thoughts on supplementation and magnesium and trace mineral drops and all those things, like what to prioritize. And really, I feel like, you know, I always take the approach and and both Steph and I do on this podcast with our answers is like, let's start with the basics and the foundational stuff. If you have high-end deficiencies or needs, like that can absolutely be addressed in a specific way. But this is going to be a guide that fits 95% of people's needs. Like how can we first prioritize food? Second, how do we supplement in a very thoughtful way that um, takes into account cofactors and all those things? And and we do it on a daily basis, but it's just a little bit. It's just a little boost. You know, you're not taking like eight different supplements, which is not our, not our thing. So that guide is live now. And while I was creating that guide, you, I asked a lot of you to send me questions about minerals and mineral balance. And you guys sent in, a ton of questions. So as I was prepping for two podcast episodes, I was like, we're just going to do a mineral episode because um, there's a lot of good questions. And I think that all of this needs to kind of be dissected because a lot of people have a lot of opinions and a lot of people are talking about this. Um, And uh, also, I've been talking about this on Instagram too. So a lot of you have had questions, but I am trying my hand (laughs) at um, making my own supplement for kids. So I have I've told many of you that I am hella annoyed at the fact that most supplements for kids, specifically magnesium, is in a gummy form. A lot of it is magnesium citrate. I don't love magnesium citrate. Um and I think it helps with constipation. It doesn't necessarily help with magnesium your your magnesium levels, right? Um so I am in the early stages of trying to formulate. So there's a couple different things that happens in the industry when we're talking about supplements. One of them is called white labeling. And that is when a doctor or an influencer who has a thriving practice takes um, a supplement brand, let's say Designs for Health. And they say, hey, can I put my own label on it and sell it? Because you trust Designs for Health, you trust those supplements, but you want to put your own name on it and sell it. So Designs for Health sells this exact supplement, but so does Dr. Benzo, who's an influencer who, you know, talks about hormone health or whatever. That's called white labeling. What I'm trying to do is a little bit more difficult as per usual for me, which is I want to formulate my own thing. <laughs> I want to be able to dictate and say what's exactly in it. And also I'm no- realizing there's a lot of problems in the industry with um, like plasticizers in pill capsules. So I want to be able to like address a lot of that stuff. So I am starting with trying to figure out a kid's magnesium. We I've been looking into a lot of the, um, and I'll talk about this later, but uh, magnesium glycinate in particular is really, really great for um insomnia and sleep issues and ADHD and all that kind of stuff um, for kids. So that's what I'm starting with. So also on that, on my email list, coconutscapitalist.com slash minerals, I will be um, talking about the launch of that more, or I'll let you guys know when it launches. Um, So that's kind of what my whole thought process is moving forward is just trying to figure out how can I get this magnesium for kids out and then um, talking a lot more about minerals uh, because I think a lot of people could benefit from it. So before we get into the mineral questions, talk to me about the mouthwash situation and how it became how it came on your radar. It's a whole thing. 
the whole thing, which was another meme you sent me, thing. which we say. Um, yeah, it's um, it's really exciting to me and fascinating. It is fascinating. I've been working in this sphere for ten more than ten years. Oh, wow! <laughs> and wow. this is the most fascinating thing that I've found so far. What? So are you mouthwash? Hundred percent. The most fascinating thing I found so far. So here we go. I am. Uh, I'm always working on my headaches, and and they've been for the last month or two. Just uh, I've had to, had to fight harder, and it's so just so much goes into headaches. Okay, so I start doing research, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it has something to do with like the quantity of vegetables that I eat because I eat a lot of vegetables. And I actually, that's how I found out that soluble fiber absorbs water. And so can actually, in some instances, be dehydrating, which is fascinating. Um, But I don't think that's my problem. Uh, I stumbled into uh, information about nitrates. So nitrates are commonly found in like everything. And it's so important for the body and really high in uh, certain vegetables. Now, nitrates are also different kinds of nitrates are added to processed foods, processed meats, et cetera. And that's the kind of thing that may have some kind of link or has been associated with um, cancer previously. Mm -hmm. But the natural green stuff appears to, you know, it's different. Anyway, so I have, so I'm reading about nitrates and nitrates are very interesting because they're broken down into nitrites and these things act on your blood vessels among other things so many other things as it turns out um, there's actually quite a close relationship between the amount of nitrates nitrites nitric oxide in your body and whether you experience hyper or hypotension um and so a study was once done and I just pulled it up so I could read you the stuff. People who experience migraines have higher amounts of nitrate reducing bacteria in their mouths and their guts. And the reason is theoretically because there is a higher rate of D of, um, of processing the nitrates in your saliva and in your gut. And that means that there's more pressure on your blood vessel walls creating pain because it actually reduces your blood pressure. So it has this consuming nitrates has a blood pressure lowering effect Mm -hmm. typically. And it's accelerated in people with migraines, which is a problem for people with migraines. And they did this. They figured this out through like testing the like database of people with migraines and their genetics and their bacterial cultures. It was a whole thing. But at the same time, mouthwash use in hospitals has been linked to mortality And the theory, there's a whole lot, again, it's a whole thing, Um, but it has to do theoretically, perhaps with these nitrate reducing bacteria in the saliva and in the gut, because it can have, when it's lowering your blood pressure, it can be a, 
it can it can it can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on your blood pressure situation and it also of yeah. course has effects on like your entire ecosystem your entire ability to oxidize things your immune system and all this stuff so even though in hospital patients there has been a link between mouthwash use and all cause mortality it may I'm do, I'm I'm now doing mouthwash intentionally because it kills these nitrate reducing bacteria that may actually cause migraines. This is all related to the mineral discussion <laughs> because uh because it's tied to hydration in your blood vessels right, and right, in right. your brain and I can talk all about that and I know that that was hope I hope I, that wasn't as confusing for you as uh listeners <laughs> as it is for me trying to describe it to people for the first time um yeah do you have, but, do you have high blood pressure no I have low blood pressure so um migraines are actually associated with low blood pressure which is fascinating for a few reasons one with low blood pressure your blood just like um your blood vessels are expanded and that creates uh pressure between your blood vessels and and nerves which causes pain but also your body has a harder time getting blood to your brain and when you have a harder time getting blood to your brain the um the minerals can't be as active in your brain and when different parts of your brain are not as awake as they'd like to be other parts of the brain try to wake them up which can cause migraines Oh gosh. And imbalances and chemical activity in the brain cause migraines. Yeah. It's nuts. It's all just mind blowing. And it's <laughs> mouthwash is, I think it's, I think it's helping me, you really? know? Um, and I eat such high quantities of, of nitrate containing vegetables. Right. Yeah. Right? Um, alongside maybe having a genetic predisposition and the C667T mutation for the MTHFR gene, which I have, is also associated with migraines. Nuts. Oh, interesting. I think that's yeah. the one I have. Huh. Maybe. It's not altogether uncommon, but... Um, well, so one of the things that I've been, you know, when you have a migraine or you have a, a headache, all you're thinking about is like, what is causing this pain, right? And so that's really interesting that there's like a... a you know, trying to improve the circulatory, like trying to get blood up to your brain, like that's a painful process. Like, hmm, I don't know. That just it's very interesting. I I have been one of the things that I struggle with. I don't get migraines, but I what I'll get is this like week long tension headache, and it's usually associated. And I get light sensitivity, and it's usually associated with um looking at screens too long. So at church on Sunday, I was, I work in production and I do video uh, directing. So I'm actually looking at like eight different screens and I'm telling what camera, you know, I'm controlling what camera is being shown on the screen. So I'm staring at a screen looking up <laughs> for four, five hours. And so that like gave me this tension headache that finally today is gone. But like, I couldn't look at screens for the day, two days after because I was having this like light sensitivity and migraine and pain and just horrible pain like you know back of head pain um and you always wonder like what's causing that but i've been trying to pound like i don't know intuitively i'm like okay i'm gonna pound some minerals and i'm gonna try to like get my blood flowing again and try to get workouts going again but it's uh yeah. it's rough when you're in it please please talk to me about it uh, honestly so in terms of 
immediate headache care, the best painkiller I have ever used is adrenaline. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, it as hard as it is, if you can't get a pain to go away, I know this maybe sounds terrible, but like a really hard sprint workout. And like, sometimes I'll run for an hour, but other, but other times, like if I just do 50 burpees, hundred, 200, maybe depending on the level of pain, mm-hmm. um, that's the only thing that kicks it. Um, yeah, but I, I would love to talk to you about the light sensitivity and the attention stuff. Cause it's like, what's my whole life. So I know, I know. So anytime you want to chat through your strategies, I'm here for yeah. it. All right. <laughs> mouthwash. So keep us updated on your mouthwash experiment. I, yeah, I absolutely will. And of course I need to be careful because, you know, you don't, you don't want to overdo something that has yeah. a bacterial effect, but it's, it's very important to understand that dental care is a part of your gut system. Right. And if you have totally. it, if you have like chronic infections and stuff, I used I had a chronic um, wisdom tooth infection for a long time. And that might've been what triggered all my histamine stuff. I have no oh idea. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. Actually, it was after my nose surgery. Oh, Wow. All this stuff just like, you know, it just snowballs. No, that's another area of, um, that's, that's another area I want to move into, guys. I really want to interview somebody. There's a couple of holistic dentists that are really sounding the alarm on a lot of things. And that, you know, mm. one of them's underlying infections. Another one is root canals, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm trying to get a dentist on cool. that will that will chat um so we can answer some of those questions so let's let's jump into minerals so we can try to get through all of these discussion points today and i'd love to hear what you think too so i did a whole post last month on instagram titled here's why you're waking up between 2 and 4 a.m. and it blew up because most of you are struggling in the sleep department one of the reasons a magnesium deficiency in fact many of you said you started taking magnesium because of the post and saw dramatic improvements in sleep So here's the deal. Stress burns through magnesium, and it's a mineral that most people are deficient in because it's really been depleted from our soil and food. Being stressed when you're already deficient in magnesium can wreak havoc on your sleep. Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level and is critical for sleep. I personally take Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, and the reason it is so effective is because it's a full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets an upgrade from your sleep to your brain, from stress to pain and inflammation. And for a limited time, you can get some freebies with your order. Just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10, then use the coupon code wellfed10. In addition to the discount you get by using our promo code wellfed10, you can unlock special gifts with your purchase. Again, that's mag breakthrough, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash wellfed10 and enter the code wellfed10 to activate our exclusive discount and freebies with your order. Question number one is from Jennifer. She says, do you add minerals to your drinking water? Um, So let's address that first. I am going to bring up, I have actually a um, USDA look at tap water. So this is kind of, this is where my brain goes. Um, And this was how I kind of went down this path when this question 
came up. But also I'm using reverse osmosis filtration systems now. And I, you know, proactively, I trying to decide, should I be remineralizing my water or not? So first I want to know what's actually in tap water and what needs to be replaced. I found a, this is 20 years old, but nobody's really looked at tap water since then. But the USDA actually looked at, um, I think they pulled like 70 or 80 different random, they picked like all the main areas within the country, pulled 70 or 80 different samples of tap water. And this is what they found. Assuming that two liters of tap water are consumed daily, there were only four minerals provided more that provided more than 1% of the US daily value. First one was copper, and that was 10% of copper, calcium, 6%, magnesium, 5%, and sodium, 3%. So obviously the uh I'm sure some people have seen that the uh World Health Organization has kind of sounded the alarm and said you shouldn't be drinking this purified water that doesn't have minerals added because minerals can play a really important part in 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 the water and your water consumption can play a really important part in your diet. I do get that perspective because if you have a very nutrient poor diet maybe a standard American diet, inflammatory diet, and 10% of your copper and 6% of your calcium and 5% of your magnesium is coming from your the tap water that you drink, um, that could be a significant source. You know, we're talking about people who are severely mineral deficient, and maybe this is the only source of copper and magnesium that they're getting, right? So what I have kind of come to is I do think that it's probably beneficial to be adding back minerals to purified water. There is no evidence that purified water strips your body of minerals. So there are some things, there are some opinions out there that have not necessarily been validated, which is, oh, when you drink purified water, it actually pulls minerals from your body and then flushes more minerals out. And we don't have any evidence of that. But what we know is that if you're not getting the minerals from your water, your body will use its own stores to make up for the difference. Why is that? Because even in our body, our body is what, 60% water? I think that's kind of the fact that's always thrown around. And it's not just like plain water, right? It always has all these minerals and minerals help things be transported across cell barriers. That's how water is actually absorbed into cells. And so I think that if you don't have a very mineral sufficient diet, um, it could cause more of a problem. And that is because we struggle with minerals in general in our diet. We have a very mineral deplete. I'm not going to go into all the things. That's what's in the guide. So you can go download the guide. But there are a lot of things right now that are there are reason that we as a society have a mineral deficiency. And you could be very intentional with your diet and intentional with, you know, even trying to get locally grown food and still not eat get sufficient mineral intake. So unless you're being intentional with replenishing your minerals, you likely will be in somewhat of a deficit. And then drinking purified water and not adding those minerals back is going to put you in a more of a deficit because now your body is using some of those minerals to add it to the water so that now you can, you know, have cellular hydration, all the things. So what I recommend, and this is just a general recommendation, of course, please speak with your doctor first about your own personal mineral status. And we will also get to that in a little bit. But I do think it's important because there are certain small contraindications like kidney disease when we're talking about mineral supplementation. So just clear it with your doc. Um, What I looked up and I was just trying to get a general look at how much a healthy person drinks. 
I found that the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, Engineer, and Medicine determined that adequate daily fluid intake is about 15 to 16 cups of fluid a day for men and about 11 and a half cups of fluid a day for women. So if you're a woman and you're drinking around 12 cups of water a day, you would add about two drops of trace mineral drops to every one cup of water. I recommend starting on the very low end, all of these trace mineral drops. So what what is a trace mineral drop? Let me first address that. Typically, it is concentrated seawater. The two main ones that are sold right now, one of them comes from the lakes, the Great Lakes in Utah. The other one comes from water sources in Australia, which arguably is a little bit cleaner because it's not in the Northern Hemisphere. It's these concentrated sources of seawater that have um, all the minerals essentially that we need and then 70 plus like trace minerals involved. Sometimes what these companies will do with trace mineral drops is they might add a little bit more magnesium or they might um, add a little bit more chloride or something like that, given that we have higher needs for that. And But it'll be from the same source. It'll be from the, you know, whatever, the Great Lakes. So it's concentrated seawater. It tastes really, really salty. So you don't want to add a bunch, but their recommended daily allowance is between 20 to 40 drops a day. For me personally, I would say, okay, I'm probably going to remineralize my water with around 15 to 20 drops, just adding one or one to maybe two drops in my water, um, a cup of water on a daily basis. What you can also do to remineralize your water, this is a very hard word for me to say, I apologize. What you can also do is um, add a little bit of unrefined sea salt. And we're just talking like a pinch. So I have like a whatever, um, a grinder and I'm like, that's it. That's all I do. It's just a one little, you know, turn, half turn and you will not taste it. But what that's doing is adding a little bit of sodium and all of the trace minerals that occur naturally with this unrefined um, sea salt. And so, I mean, that could be 70 plus trace minerals along there. So you can add just a pinch to your water. I tend to do that with my kids drinking water. So when I'm prepping their water, both they have big water bottles for the day that they take to school. I will, when I'm prepping it, I use the reverse osmosis purified drinking water. I add a little sprinkle of salt, Himalayan or like an unprocessed sea salt, or sorry, unrefined sea salt to each of their waters. And that's what they take to school because they are both running around like crazy. They got PA class. They come home looking a mess. They're a wreck because they've been, you know, running and doing the things. And then when Stella is doing gymnastics, I always add some minerals to her water just because she does need that electrolyte replacement. And if she's really sweating, then we'll actually replenish more sodium. Um, I think that that is my, are, are my thoughts. Do you have any other thoughts about adding minerals to drinking water? Yeah, I have very strong needs and feelings about minerals and drinking water. Uh, I eat a lot of vegetables And I have recently, alongside thinking about nitrates and mouthwash and bacteria, have been thinking a lot about overhydration. And I think I have maybe been overhydrating for ages because 
it's so funny. It's so funny because you start to feel thirsty and you drink water. (laughs) And I did this thing recently in the last few weeks where I started to feel maybe a little bit thirsty. And I'm not recommending this. I'm speaking from my experience. I started to feel a little bit thirsty. I can even show you, Noel. Like here's a little, I carry these little salt packets with me, like from Pret or Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, I started to feel a little thirst or like a little bit of a headache mm-hmm. and I licked a little bit of salt and I felt better. Yeah. Which is just remarkable, just remarkable. So unless I'm, well, if I'm eating a meal and there's vegetables in it, I like to think of those as my water. But in all, if there's salt with the meal, then I can just drink straight water. But if I'm not eating or if the things I'm eating have no salt in them, then my water is always salted and not like super salty. You know, I actually I keep it. It it makes it different. Like if clean water and, and just like a little bit of salt, it feels softer. I don't know how to describe it, but it makes, I add just a little bit and, and sometimes I just lick a little bit of salt and I don't feel chronically thirsty the way that I used to. And so I've actually like quite dialed down my, my water intake and made sure that I'm always having salt. I used to add, um, lemon slices for potassium as well, but that, because I eat such a high potassium diet, I've, I've, I've cut that back because I think probably salt is, is the really key piece here, um, especially for uh, electric activity in the brain, which is what I'm working on. So anyway. So smart. It's really cool that you kind of know that intuitively. And I've had the exact same experience where I felt like I could not stop drinking water. I would even like in our um, podcast recordings, like I would go through like my whole 16 ounce water bottle and I'd have to have like a second water bottle. And, um, and now post-workout instead of like just pounding water and feeling constant thirst because I I personally do element, which is higher sodium. And we'll get into that in a second. Like when is the right time to take like a higher sodium replenishment? But because I'm doing that, I find my thirst is much different through the rest of the day. And then we always do a big salad at night. Steph has seen when you came over, you were like, whoa, these are huge salads. This is paleo eating. Back About the, the size of my salads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we do. I just like a big salad and um, we always put salt and pepper on it. So like, like unrefined fresh salt, pepper, and then olive oil because, and I mean, it tastes good, right? It's much better that way. And it's much more appealing. But also you are adding fat to these nutrients, which absolutely they're these nutrients. A lot of these nutrients need fat to be properly absorbed. And you're also adding the salt and the pepper and that kind of, you know, dies down your thirst a little bit while you're eating it. And of course you can like get something stuck in your throat or whatever you're chewing and you like, it's always nice to like rinse out your mouth at the end of your meal, but it's not like you're pounding water throughout your entire meal, which can also mess with your digestion, by the way, because if you're diluting your food and your digestive juices too much, that can actually cause um, digestive problems and gas and bloating and all that stuff. So better to drink after your meal, not pound it during. Um, Let's bring it back. So how do we replenish postpartum and prep for future pregnancy considering the demand it has on women's mineral stores? So great question. Got this a lot. I'm going to bring up a um, table that shows the difference between 
um, the daily intake of minerals for adult, pregnant, and lactating women. And this is just on PubMed. So for uh, just as an example, I'm just going to give a couple examples for something like and calcium is really interesting to me. And we're going to talk about how that relates to perimenopause and menopause, menopause too. But calcium, if you're not pregnant, 1,000 milligrams a day. Pregnancy stays around 1,000 milligrams a day. But lactating, it actually jumps up to 1,200 milligrams a day. Let's look at magnesium. Magnesium was one of those things that kind of stays typical for adult women not pregnant. You can have, you know, this is just general... I, guidelines 310 to 420 milligrams a day when you're pregnant it does go up to 350 and then lactating it goes back down to your regular consumption of what you would if you weren't pregnant but uh, a lot of these like potassium for example potassium you have 4. uh 4700 milligrams a day um for pregnant for uh non-pregnant and pregnant but it jumps up even higher when you are lactating so what I've noticed is this trend is a lot of these electrolytes. So it jumps up from 4,700 to 5,100 or 5.100 milligrams a day. So potassium is that way. Uh, let's look. Oh, zinc is another big one. So you're 8 to 12 milligrams a day. During pregnancy, you jump up to 12 milligrams a day. When you're lactating, 13 milligrams a day. This is all to say that pregnancy is really important to make sure that you have sufficient mineral status, but it's also really important when you're breastfeeding. And sometimes in these cases, breastfeeding, your your needs go up. So one of the things that you can do for pregnancy and to support your minerals during pregnancy is one, you're eating more, right? So typically you have a higher, higher caloric needs, you're eating more, make sure those are nutrient dense foods that have minerals in them. Yes, we still have some minerals in our food, but, and that's one of the things that I kind of break down is where can we find these minerals? And typically it's in, you know, locally sourced, vegetables um, because we have to keep in mind of transit time. So like how long does it take? A lot of times, guys, <laughs> some of these vegetables that we buy in the grocery store have been sitting in warehouses for up to six months. Things like carrots and apples can be just chilling in warehouses. And the longer that something's been sitting and the longer that something needs the transit time in between picking and actually you buying and eating, you are losing nutrients. So locally sources you know, buying local if you can, farmers markets, local farms is always going to be better in, in terms of nutrient density. Steph and I also talk a lot about grass-fed beef and liver and all these products that are really, really great for pregnancy. And why? Because these are really mineral rich. There's They're high in natural zinc. They're high in iron. I would much rather you get a ton of your minerals from, you know, the food that you're eating. But it is important to be mindful of that. And you can you know, of course, please speak with your doctor, but um, you could potentially be incorporating in just be thoughtful of trace mineral drops. And especially when you're lactating, I wish I had element and I wish I had just an idea of adrenal cocktails and stuff when I was breastfeeding because it's such a dehydrating time. You feel like you can never get enough. And a lot of women struggle with milk supply. And a lot of that has to do with dehydration and not having the proper minerals to actually support your body's um, ability to produce this very nutrient-dense liquid gold for your child. 
So minerals absolutely play a huge role in lactation. So just be mindful of that while you're lactating or breastfeeding that you are really replenishing your sodium. You're really replenishing your potassium and your minerals. So you could supplement with trace mineral drops or you could experiment with element on a daily basis or adrenal cocktails. Which brings us to our next question. What are your go-to adrenal cocktail recipes? Before I get into this, Stephanie, have you ever tried an adrenal cocktail? Mm-mm. Okay. No, in fact, um, my knowledge of adrenal cocktails is limited to what you have talked about on Instagram. Okay. And I thought about educating myself for this podcast, and I apologize that I did not, but I thought even if I did, I, I would not have anything even close to a candle to the fire of your knowledge of adrenal cocktails. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So this is exciting. So let me, I'm going to get, I want to get your thoughts after I explain what it is. So by the way, I do have an adrenal cocktail recipe officially on my website now because I kept getting many questions about this. So it's coconutsacataballs.com slash adrenal dash cocktail. And in it, I really dug deep into where did it come from? Why does it help the adrenal glands? When do we take it? All the things. So that's going to be your complete how-to guide, but I just want to quickly go over it. So adrenal cocktails are basically drinks that contain key minerals or nutrients the body needs during times of stress. Stress is actually a very nutrient depleting time. And when your adrenals are well supported with the nutrients, specifically minerals that you need, your that you need, your body can properly manage blood sugar and balance hormones and maintain that cellular hydration. A lot of the symptoms that people experience with adrenal dysfunction are things like dizziness and brain fog and, you know, kind of feeling like fatigue, like this, you know, chronic, never ending fatigue. And a lot of those symptoms can be, of course, it's, you know, a lot of things has to do with your adrenal function, but a lot of that can be traced back to low minerals because your adrenal glands control the balance of minerals in your body. And we know that the minerals are the spark plugs of the body. They are involved in, I think it's something like 20,000 enzyme reactions. They nourish mitochondria need minerals to make energy. So on a fundamental level, minerals are create energy. (laughs) That's how you can kind of view it. And when your adrenals say you've had chronic stress for too long and you have this adrenal dysfunction, what's happening on a mineral level is your body is is so depleted of these key minerals, specifically potassium and sodium, that you get a lot of these symptoms. So in the drink, the drink includes potassium, sodium in the form of unrefined natural salt, which we know has a bunch of trace minerals in it, and vitamin C. So why the vitamin C? So vitamin C actually is stored in your adrenal glands, which I think is really interesting. We Our body doesn't store vitamin C, but the little bit that it does is stored in the adrenal glands. It is obviously a, a powerful antioxidant that helps your body mitigate stress and synthesize hormones and support immune function. But it also, the adrenal glands use vitamin C to produce stress hormones, including cortisol. So that it's really, it's a necessary part of the drink because again, we're trying to support the adrenal glands. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, um, and you can read more in my 
adrenal cocktail recipe on my website, which I have uh, like two or three different variations. So you can, and I try to keep it simple because I do feel like everybody's overwhelmed with how complicated things are. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple. Sodium, potassium, vitamin C, it's very easy to get. But one of the things that I find that really helps people understand is that your adrenal glands produce three hormones. One of those main ones that everybody knows about is cortisol. The next one is called aldosterone and then adrenaline. Adrenaline and cortisol, honestly, you know, we all kind of know what those are. But aldosterone is something that actually um, helps us to balance the electrolytes and water in our body. And so chronic stress can actually cause an electrolyte imbalance, but it also causes a rapid depletion of potassium. I looked at this study or I, I can't remember. It was like something that looked at the, I took a comprehensive look at everybody in the United States and their potassium levels. And it found that 2% of people have sufficient, but get taken for sufficient potassium on a daily basis. Now, Steph, you said you have like a sufficient intake of potassium. You're probably the 2% because not that many people have it. And I have a sufficient intake of it. But the lack of intake combined with the fact that when we are chronically stressed, what happens is cortisol, what happens when we're stressed, right? Our body is like, Steph loves this analogy, but like, you got to get ready to chase the tiger. So, which is not really realistic, right? It's just whatever. Stress is stress. People back in the day experienced a lot of other stress besides tigers. But your body wants to support you so that you can handle whatever the stress is, whether it's lifting a car off of a baby or running from a tiger, right? This is the, the analogies that we hear. So your body's, you know, you got cortisol, you got adrenaline. What happens is when that becomes chronic, that then in lies a problem. Cortisol helps us retain sodium. Why is that important? Because that helps keep our blood pressure elevated, which is a good thing, right? We High blood pressure, not, but we want our blood pressure, blood pressure to be elevated, and initially, it seems like there's some interesting research that com- that has come out about like what does acute stress or short-term stress do to our sodium retention. Initially, for some people, it actually results in these higher levels of sodium. Because why? We're trying to, you know, blood pressure up, heart rate goes up, all the things. Over time, however, when it becomes chronic, it sodium levels uh, are depleted. And one of those things that's really important when we're talking about like sodium and potassium, those two work in synergy. So when sodium is retained, our body dumps potassium. And so that's why stress just is like a constant depletion of potassium. So all of those things, potassium, sodium, vitamin C in the drink. This was actually, if you're if you're wondering like, where did this come from? Her The woman that started talking about this, her name is Susan Blackard. She is a PhD. And then I think what really made it popular was the root cause protocol, Morley Robbins, which we I just interviewed recently. But he talked about it in his book, Cure Your Fatigue, which I kind of, you know, read all through that and um looked at his different variations and why they, they were the way they were. But uh essentially it is just orange juice. It's a fourth a cup, or mine is. Um, my recipe is uh sorry, no, half a cup, four ounces of orange juice, a fourth a teaspoon of something called cream of tartar, which is just straight potassium. It's just a really good source of potassium. And then a fourth a teaspoon 
of this unrefined natural sea salt. I like to use real salt or Celtic sea salt, which has a lot of trace minerals. What I like to do for my adrenal and what's in my adrenal cocktail recipe is it's the orange juice, but I include a fourth of a cup of coconut water. Coconut, one cup of coconut water has anywhere between like four to 600 milligrams of potassium, which is huge. And coconut water has all these other really helpful electrolytes. So if you're going through adrenal dysfunction and or you are just you're even experiencing just acute stress it's a really great way to replenish minerals replenish electrolytes get in some good healthy you know high quality vitamin c so you got half a cup orange juice a fourth a cup coconut water still use the fourth a teaspoon cream of tartar and a fourth a teaspoon unrefined natural sea salt it's really tasty it's really mineral rich you drink it between the hours of 10 and 2, and um, that's going to help support your adrenal glands, your cortisol rhythms, all the things. If you are struggling with blood sugar issues, because I know that question is going to come up, right? I also have a different variation on the recipe where you add a little bit of coconut milk and some collagen powder to it so that it's not like, you know, huge blood sugar swings and all of that. So thoughts? Yeah, I... Um... I like it. It makes sense. I think uh, it's funny. I always called it aldosterone, um, aldosterone. You, you, you so might be right. <laughs> I have no idea. I trust uh, you a lot better than I trust myself. No, what's the one um, when you always get on your hyperpalatable? Hyperpalatable. Hyperpalatable. Um, <laughs> I still have no idea which one it is. Don't tell me. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, spironolactone is a potassium sparing diuretic that acts on this hormone. So like I, I'm just a testament to just how important this system is because I took spironolactone and mm. like it. It just it wrecked me, it wrecked me, absolutely wrecked me. Um, and and the body does work so over time. Like my heart just raced all the time when it was trying to balance my electrolytes. It's just it worked so hard. Um, and it also had when uh, when the kidneys are, are working overtime to try to balance electrolytes, it can upregulate excitatory neurotransmitter activity in the brain. So like there, there were just, there were effects. So that's, that's deeply compelling to me and the whole lemon and salt thing that, you know, that I had been doing it, it is kind of sort of naturally you know, covering those bases. So I think it's really important. It's very easy to overdo this kind of thing. And like any of the things that we do, taking a probiotic, taking vitamin D, taking right. this, taking that, like, it's so easy when you find something that you think might work for you yes. to do it too much. <laughs> so I'm not telling anybody, you know, like, don't try an adrenal cocktail. Absolutely. You know, but like anything in, in our health sphere, the the benefit is always in the dose, right? Because mm -hmm. If you drink too salty water, you will die. <laughs> and and it's a fact, right? That's why people yeah. who are drowning in the ocean, you know, they drink the water and, and it's too salty. So, um, I mean, they're, they have a lot of problems going on, but um, not to make light of a terrible situation. 
drinking too How much How dare salt. you? You're so insensitive to the people are, are floating in the water right now. <laughs> people floating in the water. Anyway, um, my point is this, like just uh, I do, I enter into these kinds of things as slowly as I can. I'm deeply impatient, but um, being testing things and, and moderating and understanding that if something kind of works for you, but not really more could be the answer, but also less could be the answer. And I'm not saying no adrenal cocktail or no this or no that. Like I put salt, I was just telling you, I like salt out of my palm yeah. multiple times a day. Right. But like a little bit. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's all just a matter for better, or for worse of figuring out what your sweet spot is, right. Depending on how stressed you are, how the X, how Y, how Z, whatever. If you're looking for an easy way to supplement with minerals, I have a free eight pack of electrolytes for you to grab. So listen up. One of my favorite ways to replace minerals is with Element. I started supplementing with Element after workouts and it made a huge difference in my energy and the dizziness I used to experience post-workout. Now I use it just about every day. Whether I'm feeling a bit groggy or tired, and especially when I'm sick and fighting a cold, I drink Element. Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement packs. Electrolytes are minerals in your blood and other body fluids that carry an electric charge. Your cells use electrolytes to do a plethora of things, including creating energy, helping muscles contract, and balancing fluid inside and outside of cells. This is why hydrating with just water is largely inefficient because your body needs electrolytes for that water to be properly absorbed into cells. Stress and sickness deplete minerals and electrolytes, and you lose them when you sweat and go to the bathroom, so supplementation is key. Deficiencies show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances. Element has no sugar, gluten fillers, or artificial ingredients. You just tear open a pack, pour, and stir it with water. It's also great for kids. My kids love it, and they sip on it when they're sick, like right now. Right now, everyone, including new and current customers, can get a free eight pack of Element with any order. Element comes in boxes of 30. There is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free eight pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed and make sure to use the code wellfed to get your free sample eight pack. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. Yep. So for the teaspoon, this is just interesting. So element, which I take a full one after I work out. And I think you have to be thoughtful. I think it's, it's amazing advice. And that is honestly what probably, it's what differentiates us a little bit, right? Because I think that in the dieting, health, holistic health, even the holistic health world, we're not a diet world. You see people go really hard on this one thing. And then it's like, yeah let's do eight of these. And we're always like, hey, start really small and see see if that works for you. So my personal recommendation, drink one adrenal cocktail a day on the days. If you're really struggling with adrenal dysfunction, make sure you're working with a practitioner and you, you're actually figuring out your root cause because it's not an adre- adrenal cocktail is not dealing with the root cause, right? But it can be really supportive of your adrenal glands. Do I drink one every day? No. Do I drink one occasionally when I'm super stressed? Yeah, I do. So I think you have to be intentional with when you include it and where you include it. Um, I'd love to be able to like drink it more when I'm traveling and stuff like that. But that's when I take my element with me and I'm getting off a plane. I typically am drinking that. Um, And you also have to 
be thoughtful of what other minerals are you taking in during the day and how, what are you, what are your workouts like, which we will get to a fourth of a teaspoon of salt contains about five, 575 milligrams of sodium in element. It has about a thousand. So that's something to think about too. Cause I know a lot of you guys drink element like I do. Okay. So question number two is from Allie. She says, how often should you have your minerals tested and which way is best? I will say that you need to, this is a short answer. Uh, hair tissue mineral analysis is the gold standard. I finally got one done. Um, actually, <laughs> Morley Robbins himself offered it up to me. So he's working with me on that, which I'm very grateful because he's just a very, very nice human. Um, and we also did one for my husband. So That'll happen. You have to little cut little pieces of your hair out and you get that tested. And that's the best way to to look at mineral status. Um, and then I would definitely make sure that you have a practitioner that you, you know, that you trust that is um, telling you the results of that and can talk to you about your own specific mineral needs, especially if you're dealing with like chronic illness or something in particular, or you have these really negative symptoms. That's when you want to make sure that you're getting the testing, looking at your own mineral status and as opposed to just being very general and saying, okay, I'm going to put some trace mineral drops in my water. That may help. That may be enough, but it may not solve your deep-rooted deficiencies. Um, second question from her is organic store-bought orange juice, no sugar added, of course, okay to use an adrenal cocktail. Um, I think that you have to do what works for you. If you want to get some fresh oranges and squeeze them there, that would be your best bet. But if you want to get um, so in some grocery stores, they have freshly squeezed orange juice that you can buy that expires within a week or whatever. Totally fine. We actually just bought that yesterday. Um, they squeeze it. <laughs> my son and husband squeezed it in the store and then bought it because they had like a, you know, an orange juice machine there. It's Whole Foods. So yeah, they're going to have that kind of stuff. Um, but so they squeeze it there because I make a couple different sauces with orange juice. So I asked them to to get me one. And I also, you know, I give my kids orange juice and mix a little magnesium in that for them. And yeah, so I think that that's fine. Do what works for you. Um, but if you can just squeeze some fresh oranges, that's going to be your best bet for getting the most vitamin C. Signs of a mineral deficiency, specifically magnesium. And I want to hear from you on this one too, but I'll answer this very quickly. Typically, magnesium deficiencies are you're going to have sleep issues, insomnia, just trouble staying asleep. Uh, fatigue is a big one. Anxiety is another big one. Um, so those are kind of the big three. But uh, but also this like chronic mineral de or magnesium deficiency can lead to things like or create problems with diabetes. It can cause headaches and migraines. Um, it can cause heart problems because magnesium and calcium work together for contractions and relaxations of all muscles, including the heart. So any other thoughts on magnesium deficiency symptoms? No, it's tricky. A lot of, I've been reflecting this week <laughs> on how so many of the things that we talk about can have such a huge list of symptoms. Yeah. Like an enormous list because so many things can be related to other things. It, it, it can be it can be really, really hard to dial in and, and just sort of guess by symptoms, you know, what what you may, may or may not have. I think the, the best way to know if you have a magnesium deficiency is to take some and see if you feel better. Um, because taking it is quite low risk, especially if you take like, you know, a low dose. Um, and it's something that we can reasonably bet you're not in abundance of 
right? Yeah. Everybody because of our soil. So yeah, you, your list is correct. I, um, I, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm taking much less than I used to. I'm not taking it every single day um, currently. And it's, uh, it's going fine. I just wanted to see what would happen. Um, so yeah. And all that kind of stuff can wax and wane too, depending on what you're eating and where yeah. you're at. So anyway, yeah, not, I think it's definitely worth a shot seeing if magnesium helps you. Cause it helps a ton of people. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You can also just eat chocolate and get your magnesium that way. So just I eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> I, uh, I love those little memes that are like, if you're craving chocolate, you actually are deficient in magnesium. I'm like, no, actually I just want chocolate. Like, Oh, I never see any of that kind of so. stuff on my feed. That is not the kind of thing I follow. Like uh, um, I guess Instagram still thinks I care about that stuff. I, I just I don't follow. I don't like my health to empower Instagram has yes, yes like food accounts, but my personal does. I don't. I don't see. I don't. Yeah, I just don't follow a lot of food stuff. So. Um, one thing to note that I was finding about potassium, very rarely, some people feel worse when they take magnesium. And that is because typically if you are super deficient already in minerals, including potassium, which is going to lower your blood pressure, magnesium can actually lower your blood pressure even further. And that would kind of cause a chronic issue in your symptoms. So question number three is from... Yeah. And you, sorry. And you got to balance it. You, you like, it has to be in balance it because it competes with things, uh, like zinc. Right. And so... I'm just, you don't want to overdo it. Um, yeah. Start small. Question number three is from Catherine. She says, how does exercise come into play with your minerals? On days that I work out longer, like more than an hour, should I be supplementing with more than electrolytes? Um, okay, so I pulled some, I just, I was like, how much salt do we actually lose in exercise? So I pulled up a bunch of studies. I pasted all the things here. So let me just look through them really quick. First one, during moderate hard exercise, your body can sweat uh, one to two liters per hour. Um, I looked that up. One liter is around four cups. And I'm not going to lie. I definitely sweat that much. (laughs) I was like, really? That much? Yeah, I do. Um, And that's typical if you are doing a moderate hard effort. So if you're going to be biking really hard or running really hard, especially if it's a little bit warm outside, you could easily sweat out one to two cups per half of hour. Some really well-trained runners will lose two to four liters per hour when running in hotter conditions, which is a lot. An example would be a runner. This runner maybe loses three liters of fluid in one hour, which is kind of in the middle. They could lose anywhere between 1,300 milligrams and 5,000 milligrams of salt. So when we sweat, we're losing water and we're losing a ton of salt. Typically, (laughs) some people, everybody's physiology is different, right? So you could use less, you could lose less salt, you could lose more. I'm a heavy sweater and I also lose a lot of salt. Um, And I can just see that residue on my (laughs) clothes. So that's kind of how I've I've guesstimated. Um, Sodium and chloride are the most abundant electrolytes in sweat. There are little amounts of also magnesium and potassium and calcium present. A study which was commissioned by Salt Manufacturers Association. So take that with a grain of salt. Didn't. Uh, professional, I changed the wording here. Uh, they looked at professional soccer players. They called them footballers. So I put did that you in see my comment. Yes, I did. <laughs> You're like, thanks for clarifying. They actually called them footballers, but these aren't 
American footballers, these are soccer players in the UK, found that some players lose as much as 10 grams of salt in a 90-minute training session. So I do think that sometimes the more trained you are, the better your body is at cooling your body off and you're going to lose more salt. Um, So according to Rice University, researchers found that most athletes tend to lose between 400 to 1,200 milligrams of sodium per hour. And that's not necessarily just hard efforts. That's in general your workouts. So what was your question? How does exercise come into play with your minerals? So Catherine, I think this is where element really shines because if you are sweating a ton, which I do in my workouts, even when it's cold outside, especially when it's warm, but even when it's cold. So, you know, obviously there were a lot of studies that were like, yeah, you you lose a lot less salt when you're in cold conditions versus hot. Okay. Thank you. Yes, we know that. So you need to uh, think about all the things that are coming into play, your own physiology, your own sweat rate, whether it's hot or cold, blah, 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 the length of your workout, what the workout is, but yeah, you're going to lose mostly sodium and chloride. And I think that replenishing with sodium has been transformative for me personally in my workouts because I wasn't before. And now I'm like, why was I not doing that? I think that just replenishing with a few electrolytes is really important. And then throughout the day, you know, really focusing on sodium. And then throughout the day, really being thoughtful about trace minerals and making sure that you're drinking minerals in your water and stuff like that, maybe with trace mineral drops or whatever. Any thoughts from you on that? Uh, No, nothing to add. Um, Okay. Hydrating properly is important. (laughs) Go lick this some salt. Like still. (laughs) Okay. Question number four. We've got two more. Question number four is from Melissa. She says, how do you know if an adrenal cocktail is necessary? I began taking the Gaia Adrenal Health Supplement that you suggested, which I just took that today. So I hear you. I love it. And I noticed a big difference at first, so I'll continue. But is there benefits of doing both? Can you overdo it? Yes, you can overdo it. So that's a resounding yes to any and everything. You can always overdo anything. With the Gaia Herbs Adrenal Health Supplement, that's more a a mixture of um, adrenal herbs. So you typically with like an adrenal, um, and I was, I was going to bring it up here. What's it called guy. And I'll, I'll link to this in the, the show notes. It's my favorite adrenal health support supplement, but yeah, so it has holy basil. It has rhodiola. It has ashwagandha. It has oats, a couple other things, but, but no minerals. So you're not getting any mineral replacement from that support. That is more adaptogens supporting adrenal function. So I think that you could absolutely do both. Again, drink it between the hours of 10 and 2 if you are feeling the symptoms of adrenal dysfunction. Maybe you're feeling a little dizzy. Maybe you have a headache. Maybe you are, for me in particular, it's always the, it's not the dizziness. I used to see stars every single day when I would stand up and that does not happen anymore at all, which is so wonderful. But I get, you know, tension headaches. Um, That's a big one where I'm like, I need an adrenal cocktail and, or, you know, my sleep sucked. Let's be honest. If I had a, a horrible sleep, if I'm going through a really stressful period or season where I'm, I had a really like hard week, then I will be a little bit more preemptive and actually support my body with a couple of adrenal cocktails that week. If I have a big week coming up, or I just had a few rough days and I know I need to, I want to get myself back on track. So again, it, it's something like you, like a Gaia herbs thing where Maybe you take it initially or you do it more regularly initially to get yourself out of that hole while you're working out of the root causes, but then you supplement with it and take it as needed um, 
when you need it, when you can feel your body, when you're when you're coming up on or going through times of of more stress. Like I think that that is such an amazing intuitive place to be when you can feel yourself tanking. Like we just had to put my dog down a week ago and like that was really like I could feel the stress all over my body. Right. And so we were more preemptive with making sure that we were taking uh, me in particular, but yeah, I was giving stuff to my husband too, but, um, cause his thyroid health is, is a whole other issue. And we're thinking maybe it's cortisol. That's the problem, but I still have the bottle laying out downstairs because I wanted to remind myself, like now's the time to prioritize sleep. Don't worry about getting up and working out on Friday. Um, drink a couple adrenal cocktails because you are tired. Your body is drained. You're, you're, you know, you're under more stress and grief and all that stuff. So like be thought, like there are things that now you can bring in tools in your toolbox that you can bring in that don't, that, that stop you from crashing when things happen in life that would typically crash you before. Um, Last question is from Michelle. She says, how does perimenopause and menopause affect the female body's mineral requirements? Requirements. Greetings from Munich. Do you want to talk about this at all before I get into it? Nope. Okay. (laughs) So this is another interesting, this is where we're going to round it out. Okay. So interestingly enough, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this more depending on how long this podcast goes for, but you know. There will be a time where this is us and we're going to be going through this. So I'm sure we're going to bring this up more, but it is more interesting to me now, now that I'm getting closer to 40. So due to a, you have this major in decrease in estrogen production in perimenopause and after menopause. And because of that, you are less able to retain calcium from dietary sources. So although, you know, calcium is typically the poster child for bone health and everybody's like, oh, bone density issues, get more calcium. Research actually shows there are some really important cofactors that are needed for calcium absorption. For example, vitamin D facilitates calcium's absorption into the body. And because calcium needs increase, if you are in perimenopause or you're even postmenopausal, your body will need additional vitamin D to help utilize the increase in calcium. So the problem is, is that vitamin D is really hard to come by in the diet Foods that are naturally contain high vitamin D are things like fatty fish and beef liver and eggs and certain mushrooms and cheese. And decent sources of calcium are also this grass-fed dairy, cheese, sardines with the bones, and, and leafy greens. So I think that the low-fat vegetarian movement has done somewhat of a disservice. I will say it. I'm just saying it. Um has done a little bit of a disservice to women in general, specifically when we're talking about bone and teeth health, because these very bioavailable forms of things like heme iron and rich sources of calcium and um, fatty fish and beef liver and eggs and all these really nutrient-dense foods that are so important for aging and so important for bone health have sort of been demonized for the last few decades. So um, I think that that's just something to really be aware of. Vitamin D synthesis also from the sun is very important to maintain throughout your life. No question there. We've also demonized that. And most people don't even get vitamin D from the sun. And they're always, you know, trying to hide from it. But I do think exposure daily around 15 minutes a day should be sufficient. And that's a really great way to synthesize vitamin D. 
Something else to consider is that your ability to synthesize vitamin T in your skin from sun exposure actually decreases as you age by as much as 75%. So I do think that one, you have to be more thoughtful of calcium intake, and that's more to me going to be coming from food. I don't recommend supplementing with calcium. And because of some of the research that's out there about how it can negatively impact heart health. And two, we just have to be more thoughtful about exposure, you know, conscious, intentional, thoughtful exposure to the sun, vitamin D intake. And what are we um, being really intentional with these cofactors that we know are needed for calcium absorption? That's all I got. That is all she wrote on the minerals. Do you have any um, things to add? I mean, I'm just I'm just being cognizant of time. And <laughs> it's okay. You can say so. Well, the next one will be shorter. And I and I could. Uh, I think you've said everything that's important. And if I yeah. said more, I would just be repeating um, you. <laughs> okay. Cool. I, seriously, yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's so important. So thank you. It's more, you know, what's our shtick? You know, it's like this. We talk about copying and pasting sentences that we say over and over again. It's just one of those where it's like fat soluble vitamins and grass fed beef and eggs and fatty fish. (laughs) It's 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 really it's actually it's really important. I've been reading about um, veganism recently, and again, it's an intervention that can work for certain people for specific reasons in specific ways, but. We care so much about not just, we care so much about what you add. You know, what you add to your diet is so important. Your body is literally made out of what you eat. So, ain't that the truth? Okay. So, for more from me at Coconuts and Kettleballs on the Insta, Steph is at Stephanie.Ruper. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>